0: Da, da da da. Welcome in, everybody. What's up? Welcome to the Get After Podcast. This is episode 168. Join today. Oh, we're spoiled rotten. We've got an awesome interview uh, for y'all today. Mr. Rudy Ortiz. Um, geez, there's so many ways I can introduce Rudy. Um, Rudy's gonna go into a lot of his story and his background. I've been working with Rudy as a coach. Um, or he's been a, he's been a phenomenal influence in my life as a coach for the last probably close to a year now. And, um, it's amazing sometimes you, you, come across somebody who just genuinely cares and, um, look, if you've got, if you are anywhere in the realm of entrepreneurship and business, if you, if you're leading teams, you're leading companies, this is a guy you want to connect with, uh. There's so many things I could go into. Uh, Rudy's Rudy's at the at the forefront of a of building an insurance empire. Um, he does so much work to help so many others, and obviously he's a he's a small business growth and protection specialist. If I could sum it up, um, he's an amazing consultant and coach, and somebody who um, I'm just so excited to follow his journey uh, moving forward. And uh, it was so cool to welcome him on the podcast. Can I already cannot wait to have him back on the show? So. Without further ado, uh, someone who has as many reps as someone as anyone I know in leadership and in entrepreneurship and making mistakes and building up seven-figure businesses and beyond and building up leaders and what a pleasure it is to welcome Rudy Ortiz to the show. Let's cue the intro and let's rip this episode. Thanks you all so much for joining me. Let me know if you guys get some crazy impact like I did from this interview out of this podcast. Talk soon. This is the Get After It Podcast, where young professionals, entrepreneurs, and action takers learn what it takes to be a high performer. This is more than a podcast, it's a movement. Now, let's get after it with your host, Aaron Griffin. What is up, everybody? Welcome in to another episode of the Get After it Podcast. Um man, whenever I have a really special guest, like a really freaking cool guest, I, I struggle with who to come up with because I, in our society today, we overuse the word awesome and uh, just having a treat for you all as listeners. Um, uh, but today it's like, it's, it's truly a pleasure uh, to have Rudy Ortiz on the podcast. And um, Rudy, you've been such a influence in my life. We talked a little bit about this just before we got on. And um, I started working with Rudy in a, in a coaching capacity and I want to say May, uh, I started following, uh, what, what Rudy was doing and, um, man, you, you just, you, you, you do it for not only the right reasons, but you've got an amazing story that I think is going to be inspirational for this, for this audience particularly. And, uh, man, I could go so many different levels, Rudy, I'm stoked to have you on the podcast. Welcome to the gas podcast
1: dude it's uh such a great pleasure to be here aaron man i've been excited for this uh all day really you know just to get to hang out with you again i know it's been a few weeks since or a couple weeks since we spoke last so you know just hanging out with you is fun for me man
0: you know i um you're you, you know i love and and we'll we'll kind of see where we roll with this in terms of the podcast standpoint i've got obviously some not so much questions but we talked about kind of where we want to go with this and sure obviously um you know, as you, as you're building new things and businesses and where you're at, I'd love to welcome you back. But today I'd love to talk a little bit, philosophy, your background, just kind of do like an introduction to uh, Rudy Ortiz. Cause I, I, we have, um aw, we have, uh, I'm using the word awesome again. We have so many, aw, we have great guests on the show, but, but Rudy, this is like, for me, this is a, this is just a great person for the listener to, 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 to just check out, just check out what Rudy Ortiz posts on, Facebook and his social media and just what he stands for. I'm excited to kind of sink my teeth into that a little bit in this interview. But let me go. Let me go off uh, from a tangent. One of my favorite calls that you did was a coaching call. I wasn't a part of it. Um, a mutual friend of uh, Blake, uh, who's also here in Nashville, Blake actually told me to watch it. It was a. It was a call where um, somebody was in a rough spot and they came into the call with rough energy, and they um, they were basically looking for excuses. And I literally went back and watched the replay. Do you know, do you know where I'm getting at, what call this was?
1: You know, yeah, I, I believe I remember, yeah. Mm-hmm. It was,
0: um, and, and what was amazing was obviously the community that you were running, the, that group call, just started coming in and just giving this person what they needed with the mindset and just throwing at them like, hey, you know, you got this, you got this, you got everything. And I, um, I hopped on that, I, when I watched the replay, it's, it's just you two alone in the beginning of that call. And the way you built him up was so cool because you are, you just, you care so much. And it really came, it comes through where you're like, man, like, you know, you were, you were looking, you're, you're struggling and then look at the love, look at the support that you've gotten since then from other people who are in this community, trying to reach out and trying to work with you and trying to help you out. Um, I want to lean into this, Rudy. What, when you look back on just your life and in business and whatever the case was, I would assume like mentors have been huge for you. Can, you. can you elaborate on maybe what was some of the most important mentorships? Because I feel like a lot of what happened with COVID, it settled people into the channels they already had, right? So the friends they already had, the business associates they already had, uh, it really kind of locked everything down. We weren't connecting with new people. We weren't doing those things. So as we're coming out of this, I asked for the audience. I think a lot of people are looking for role models and for mentors and people that they can turn to in their life. What do you do to identify if somebody can help you? And what do you do to what do you do to get the most out of that relationship? Because the person that you are when you're in a coaching capacity didn't happen by mistake. I know you've you've been able to envy and and, and uh, work with some of the some amazing people over your years. Is that uh? Did I get that question out? Did you pick up what I'm putting down?
1: So what I, what I heard from what you said, Aaron, is you know how can people uh, maximize mentorship? How can they uh, even surround themselves with the right people? Because uh, you're absolutely right, man. You know, COVID exposed a lot of things in many people's lives. One mm-hmm. of them was, you know, how mentally tough are you when when life throws you curveballs? Right. But I, I, say, I say that, uh, you know, COVID was uh, metaphorically, everybody was in the water on the beach and all of a sudden the tide came out and it exposed that everybody was butt naked under the water, right? And so, um, you know, how, how did that nakedness, uh, you know, how did being exposed nakedly for some people emotionally, for some people their circles, for most people financially, People literally realize, man, they don't have the right financial foundations to be able to withstand uh, financial foundations and financial models, right? To be able to generate income. Mm. Because most people, their business shut down, their job shut down. And now they're like, dude, I'm a month away from having to pack up my stuff and get the heck out of here. You know, nice. my stuff. So, um, but yeah, man, you know, for me, for me, um, Aaron. Mentorship is the optimal hack, man. It's the greatest hack in life. If you want to accomplish anything in life, the worst thing that you can ask yourself is "It's sometimes, how do I do this? It all depends on the timing in your life. That's the worst question. How do I do this? The best question is, who do I know that has done this? That's the best question. Because that'll buy you years of heartache and failure and, you know, making mistakes and getting back up and doing it again and refining. And, you know, a lot of people don't have the wherewithal that it takes to be able to climb up uh, that mountain in, in their life because they either they run out of gas, they run out of steam, they run out of belief, they run out of energy, they run out of money, you know. And so the best hack is, man, let me go find who's already done it. And let me learn from them, right? Now, who, is, who makes the best mentor, right? Who's a good mentor? Um, I remember my grandfather. Uh, my grandfather was an entrepreneur. He owned a couple of businesses. And when I was coming up, there were two major things that he told me that really stuck to me. I, and here I am, I'm 49 years old. He told me this when I was probably 17, 17 years old, 30 plus years ago. You know, my grandfather's long gone now, but this stuck with me. The first one was, tell me who you associate with and I'll tell you who you are, right? That was the first thing that he told me. And I didn't understand it at, you know, 17, being immature, now as a 49-year-old man, father, husband, grandfather, uh, man, that is some of the most profound words that have ever been spoken to me is, is that because it reveals your circle will either make you or break you, and so that was one of the things. And then the other thing that he told me was with regards to taking advice from people. And he said, Rudy, I don't take, um, I don't take marriage advice from single or, or, or serially divorced people. He goes, I don't take health advice from people that are obviously unhealthy. I don't take um, business advice from uh, from employees, and I don't take financial advice from broke people. I mean, that right there was amazing for him to tell me that because what it's done is it's shaped shaped the lens by which I pick my mentors. And so, you know, one of the things that I look for is obvious results. You know, is this person worthy of giving me advice in the area that he wants to give advice to me in because he's lived it and he has proof that he's done it. And so that's the biggest thing that I look for. Uh, the other thing is, uh, are they still in the game, you know, or are they has-beens, right? I, and, and by the way, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that somebody that did something 20, 30, 40 years ago is not worthy still today of some, some level of respect and, you know, uh, that that their advice is not good. I, it, it could be. Uh, There's plenty of uh, football coaches and, you know, people that they played 30 years ago and they make amazing coaches, right? Um, By the way, I also have a certain respect for coaches because I think that coaches, they produce more winning as a coach than they did as a player, right? Because if I coach, if I coach you and I coach 10, 12 other guys, and they go win. They potentially have the potent, They 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 have the potential to win a lot farther, a lot more, and a lot bigger than I ever did as an individual. Does that make sense? So, so you know, uh, I look at that. Um, but I also have a lot of respect for the guy that's in the game, man. I think that the guy who's who's still on the court, and is still taking his lumps, mm-hmm. and is still getting up and is still in the arena, you know, and he's still able to get up and go and and do what he needs to do and and be an example of success. I think the world and real players have a little bit of extra respect for, you know, a person like that.
0: You know, I've been thinking one thing is I say quite a bit now is like, we we need leaders in 2020s more than um, you know any time else uh, in the last 30 40 50 years it seems like we need leaders not only in this country but just around the world just in general 100%. not even speaking so much on a political level it's really actually almost not at all i'm really talking about you know this is one direction that i want to go with um i have a book that i've been working on for almost three years at this point and we're finally going to be get, we're we're getting ready to get it out i think you know leandre from the group he's putting his finishing touches on it we're, we're getting close and one of the things that is the focus with it is there's a lot of people who are 18 17 16 and because of this internet thing they're mad uh they're uh what would you say mad talented and they're 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 crazy valuable to the right Mm -hmm. companies where they lack when they're entering the the marketplace the soft skills and the life experience of somebody who's actually got the reps and what my purpose of the book is actually to help them fill that gap because I got thrown into a situation, I mean, I threw myself into a situation leading that painting business for three years from 19 to 22, where I had 200 people reporting to me and I couldn't even buy a beer, right? I literally wasn't old enough to buy beer technically, right? So I, I think back though, with those reps, that helped me out a ton. I'm, I'm, I'm curious on, from a mentorship standpoint, because one of the best books I've read was The, the Coaching Habit. Have you read that book? That's a phenomenal book. Yes. So so what's the obligation on leaders to be better leaders? Because I think of I think of what he talks about, and I haven't read the follow-up to that book, The Advice Monster or, or The mm-hmm. Advice Trap, I think is the name of the book. Yes, the advice the, trap. Concept, the concept behind these two books are really about how leaders and sure coaches, but really about how leaders can be better coaches for the people who are working with them and underneath them and how they can help them grow. And what we recognize as coaches is that we're not consultants. We don't need to bring the answer to our client or to the person that we're working with. Like Michael Jordan has all the answers in the world. Tim Grover just brought extra, uh, extra clarity to a situation by asking the right questions and plugging and playing. Right. Same thing with Phil uh, Jackson and whatever the case would be. Right. The, as a leader, your obligation is to help lead somebody by asking the right questions and putting themselves in that position because it's they, they just need to get out of their own way more sure. often than not how can leaders how, how how do you how do you constantly this is my question i'm terrible with questions right i'm all over the place right now. of kick off this interview how do leaders continuously become better leaders you know because it's very easy to get arrogant i've been there with like I got, you know, all the wins at my back. I'm ready to go. I've got all of it here. How are you continuously and disciplined to look at it? How can I be a better leader? How can I show up better for my team? How can I enable and empower my team to be better and, and grow?
1: Great question, man. Yeah. So that, that comes down to a couple of things. One, the philosophy of the leader, you know, why are you leading in the first place? What's your goal? What's your end point here? Um, You know, where, where, where ego goes up and uncoachability goes up, income and impact goes down. I mean, that's literally, you could track that. Wherever a person's ego shows up higher, usually they end up making less money, they end up making less impact. And so coaches, you know, they have to keep that in mind because you can't see the picture when you're standing inside the frame, Aaron. You know, and so you need other people on the outside, just like a coach is uh, that mirror or that reflective um, element to his or her coaching students. Um, a coach needs somebody like that in their own life, right? Like, I need coaches in my life. I need them to look in my life. I need them to be able to see the, the, the blind spots and the pieces where, you know, maybe my approach or my personality or my attitude. Uh, tends to get in the way, sometimes and keeps me blind. Uh, a coach can help, you know, with that. So coaches need coaches, right? That, that's just the way it is. And any coach that says that he doesn't, is probably not going to be worth his salt as a coach much longer. I think, it's, um,
0: yeah, and it's, it's like, um, it's just about constantly, because um, the ego is really just, you know, you're, it's almost like your subconscious getting what it wants. And then you just roll with it, right? Like like you get, once you get to the top of the mountain, figuratively speaking, you're there and you feel like you're, you, you, you realize that you just got to go back down and go back up again, but you want to hang out at the top of the mountain, right? And maybe that's kind of the subconscious thought. I just wrote down, you can't see, you can't see the whole picture standing inside the frame. I think that's so key. And I think if I've had, we had uh, Corey Carlson on the show, I want to say maybe five, six months ago. And Corey talked about, He's like, dude, I don't have the time to not have a coach or expert in each area of my business and my life. Um, I don't have the time to not invest in people who are going to be able to accelerate my capacity because I have limited hours to work on my business, to work on my podcast, my book, my family. He's like, I got to have that structured and have guidance in each area or else I'm wasting time. that's That's a clear picture. I don't want to cut you off, but for young people listening to this, mm-hmm. under the age of 27, they've never hired a coach, they've never worked with that. How do they even get into the the idea of of working with others in a mastermind setting? Like, and maybe this could be a good transition to talking about talking about your background a little bit. Sure. I, I don't even know where to start on your background, Rudy. Like this, <laughs> the, you, you you blow my mind. Can you actually? Can we pivot to that and talk about? I mean, life, you needed life saving surgery at 40 days old, your upbringing. Do you, can we, is that cool? Can we, can we
1: that stuff? For sure, man. I mean, you know, and, and and I'll say that, you know, everybody has a story, right. And and part of, part of the whole thing in life guys is to embrace your story. You know, so a lot of people, they run from their story. They, they, um, they try to hide it because, you know, they feel it might be disabled. Disenabling, or people won't approve of them, or what have you. Man, my philosophy is nothing happens to you, everything happens for you, man. And your story is your power. You know, your story is yours, it's it's very unique. And if you embrace it, you can use it as a leverage point to inspire and to make a greater impact. And so, you know, that's where I stand with my story. Yeah, you know, I lost uh, my dad when I was very young, um, uh, 13 years old, Uh, came from a good family. My parents, my dad made, you know, my my dad was a mechanical engineer um, working for the city of Chicago back in 84. He made about $48,000. That's about $92,000 today, Aaron. My mom was a registered nurse and um, she made about 27 grand, which is about 52 grand today. So they made okay money as a couple, you know, regular kind of what you would call an upper middle-class couple. I'm the oldest of three. I had a five-year-old little brother at the time. My, my um, mom was three months pregnant with my sister. And so one day my dad gets up to go to work. He's got a really bad headache, but you know, like any responsible husband father, man, he's gotta to go to work. he has gotta pay the bills. So he goes to work while he's at work. He collapses from a cerebral aneurysm. Ends up three days in a coma. And on the fourth day, he passed away. Guy was 30 years old, man, just a couple of years older than me, right? So, obviously, for that to happen to somebody that young and to such a young family, that was totally out of the field. Um, It shaped a lot of my life, even till today. Um, My dad was my best friend. So, it broke my heart. Um, But it also put my mom in a very precarious situation because. You know, and it's one of the reasons why I do what I do today. I'm a small business consultant. I, I specialize a lot in teaching people how to strategically set up the right financial foundations for themselves, not just on a personal level, but on a business level. But, um, uh, uh, you know, with her, she just lost not only her husband and we lost our father, but we lost that primary $48,000 in income. My dad had a term insurance policy through his job. So they gave mom one year's worth of his salary that was gone 16 months after she got the check. And so, you know, he left her with three kids, a brand new building. They had bought four months before two car notes and about $30,000 of credit card debt. And literally two thirds of her income was gone. So, um, you know, that shaped my life because I ended up, um, you know, just getting into the wrong circles and, and the wrong activities in the up of getting into drugs and gangs and things like that. And, you know, thankfully, when I turned uh, 22, I was kind of tired of that life and um, just had a, a really direct spiritual encounter, you know, where, where I felt that God was really speaking to me and doing some, wanting to do some work in my life. And I surrounded myself with the right mentors, man. I surrounded myself with the right people that, had the best interest for me but also were great examples for me but that also didn't um they didn't put up with my bs man they loved me enough to call me out on my bs and to challenge me to a greater standard and to to leveling up as a man and um they taught me what it was to be a man they taught me what it was to be a man of integrity a man of character a man who takes uh responsibility for his choices and makes them turns them around and makes the best out of them um, and, and turns them into a story. And so that's how I got started into entrepreneurship.
0: And I, and can we, before, we, before we go in there, can, can we speak to that? There's got to be someone listening to this either right now or in the future. Uh, they are just, they feel back against the wall. And I think about what you just described in terms of your, your early years falling into the wrong crowd I think of this story about um, trying to think of the guy's name. I've said it a couple, I've done it a few times in live events. Like the, the guy was a, the synopsis of it. The guy was a, a, you know, just a, just a hanging out with the wrong crowd, skipping class, all that stuff. The junior of high school, just terrible grades, all that stuff. And he shows up, his mom didn't even think he was going to take the ACT, comes at the SAT, takes the SAT, um thinks he flunks it doesn't understand whatever he gets his score back it's like almost a perfect score absolutely kills the sat and what he started doing was he started acting like somebody who got a really good sat score started going to class started hanging out with the right better crowd started talking to teachers went to community college ends up at Dartmouth ends up at Uh. Ivy League school um and ends up being a preliminary magazine entrepreneur I wish I remember his name off the top of my head Interesting. Tens of millions of dollars, net worth, all that stuff. He gets a letter in the mail from Princeton, New Jersey, like 20 years later, because apparently every year, like a dozen people get the wrong SAT scores. And he, they let him know that he actually like totally bombed the exam. <laughs> this was like 15 years later. Wow. And most people think of it like, oh, well, it's because he got, you know, really because he was a, uh, because he, he, he got that great score that he, he kind of turned his life around from there. It opened up a lot of opportunities, right? He could get into a school because he had a decent score, whatever the case was, but it was because of his thinking and he associated himself with somebody who had gotten that score, what, regardless of what the result was of the examination. It was the fact that he associated himself with someone who got that score that changed his life. The biggest challenge was someone against the wall and I can personally attest to it. I've been there. We were just talking about like so many times and- to a degree, right? There's perspective and circumstances for everyone. But, you know, we've been there to backing us along. The hardest thing is not so much seeing the light or seeing how it can happen. It's actually believing in yourself that you are capable and you are that person right now who's capable of doing what they what they need to do. So is there, my tangent's done on that one, Rudy. Is there any way, like, what what would you say to someone who feels like, you know what, I am in that wrong crowd right now? I'm not doing the things that are going to be a benefit to me five years from now, a benefit to my family, a benefit to my legacy five years from now. I need to make an adjustment, but it's going to be wildly uncomfortable and it's going to require a radical shift in the way that I go, I go about my day, the way that I think about things, the way that I communicate to both myself and others. How do people start that journey? It sounds like for you, it was, it was, a, it was a faith-based journey to an extent as well. Can you just shed a little bit more light on that for the person who might be just absolutely feels like they're up against the wall?
1: For sure, man. Um, I could, I could attest to the, the mental and psychological and even emotional state that I was in, and maybe even spiritual way. But the main thing is I was just sick and tired. I was done. I was, I was done being a loser. I was done not living to the capacity that I knew that I was created to be. And the reality was that I had associated myself with an identity that was just not empowering me. I had adapted this identity because I wanted to belong to something. And I also made myself a victim. Like I kept playing this thing of, oh man, you lost your dad. And because of that, you know, you, like I, I was just wearing all this pain on my sleeve instead of processing it in a way where it was a lot healthier. This is, again, why I say now, you know, I, I, you know, that was many years ago for me, but the biggest lesson that I've learned, Aaron, is things don't happen to you, man. As much as we think they do, they really happen for you. So whatever you're going through, whoever you are, if you're, your back's against the wall, what is the lesson here? What is it that you can learn? How can you become better? How can you become stronger? You know, how can you uh, use this as fuel to focus and get your mind in a place where you can now be creative and get yourself out of that situation, right? And, and so, you know, that that's the thing. Man. You, you have to visually see the things that you want to accomplish. Right? You got to visually create a, a picture in your mind of the life that you want to live and and you gotta gird up your mind and, and train your mind to focus on that because you know I don't wanna sound woo-woo or whatever, but there's an element, there's a there's an attractive magnetic element to that. A lot of people they focus on what they don't have, what they can't have, their excuses, their limitations, you know, their lack. And and it's just almost ironic and magical how that's exactly what their life is full of right so so is it is it their life is full of that because they're focused on that or is it they're focused on that because that's what their life is full of you know that's the real question and so you know i believe that man you're the captain of your destiny you know and and you have the capacity to transform your life and do whatever you have. Believe me that I tell you, you're looking at a guy that lost his dad at 13, you know, was a drug addict, never finished, never went to college, let alone finished high school. I dropped out of 10th grade, right? I was raised by a single mom. I'm a Hispanic. I was raised in the hood. I mean, all of these statistic type things that normally, you know, people would say, yeah, this guy's a loser. But, you know, I mean, today I have a beautiful family. I live in a very nice neighborhood in Chicago. You know, I make more money than doctors. I run my own business. I, you know, I mean, I shouldn't be where I am today. And I give, I give, I give God the credit, right, for taking me out of that. But I also understand my responsibility as a good steward over the opportunities and over my life. Instead of being a victim, I'm a victor because I take responsibility over the stewardship. So, so if your back is against the wall, awesome. Dude, the, the greater the setback, the, the bigger the comeback. So, you know, if you're set back right now, you're literally just, it's almost like a, it's almost like a slingshot, right? You're being pulled back so that you can be launched into your future into a greater place that's that's i think the best attitude the best philosophy to have with that and understand that whatever your mind focuses on expands so focus on opportunity focus on um you know what can you make happen Um, you're not the only one who's been through stuff. If you go look at life and you go listen to stories and you go probably listen to some of the previous podcasts here with Aaron, you're going to hear stories like Corey, right? Like the guy's got it. He's he, he understands the power of, yeah, man, I'm the, you know, mentorship is a hack, dude. Why am I going to spend 10 years trying to figure out something when I could just pay somebody and get it done in 10 months? And I get to leverage their experience, their mistakes, their confidence, their systems, their processes. And man, that's a total hack. So, you know, I I would say that um, if if you're stuck, find the right people to surround yourself with. You know, with the internet now, Aaron, that's not difficult to do, man. You just go find a couple of groups and start connecting with people. Uh, here's the other thing, be a go-giver, meaning don't come into a situation or a group or a community trying to take, be a giver, go in there to serve, go in there to add value, go in there saying, hey, listen, I want to hang around with winners, I want to hang around with good people, how can I serve you so that I can hang around you so that I can learn from you, right, so many people come into situations and they're like, well, I just want to, you know, gimme, give gimme, give gimme. Give My name is Jimmy, you know, that's it. That's their whole perspective. And that's not the right one to have, man. I would say go into, you know, go looking for what you need, but be prepared to give something in exchange for it.
0: I think there's so, there's so much there. I wrote down so much again. Uh, Rudy, it's, I, I think of it also like we have, This thing for listeners, I'm holding on my phone. It's so powerful. It's so beyond powerful, the ability to communicate and connect with people. I mean, we can throw together on a a small and not even business oriented. We can have nothing planned with friends and an hour later have a full group of friends in your living room and and have a great time or whatever the case is. Right. It's just the speed at which you can move is so fast. And what I find holds me back and probably many others is, um, when you're plugged in, it's almost like a, uh, it's almost like you're tapping the electric fence or whatever it is, and you feel the energy and it's like, you get numb to it. And it actually becomes a disadvantage because a lot of the, I mean, like uh, I've told, I've told friends this, I I, like the modern day ministry is in in a lot of ways is, is these algorithms because the algorithms have more influence on what people are seeing and what they're doing and how their actions are than really almost anything else simply because of the time we are spending consuming things on these devices. And it's tough because it's so easy to slip into and it goes back to we're talking about with this mindset thing when you're back against the wall. It's actually, it's a huge advantage, but we look at it as a disadvantage. Oh, I spend so much time on this phone or, oh, I have all these friends on social media, but they don't feel like friends or whatever the case would be, right? Like all these, you know, it says I got 280 friends on Facebook, but I've no one to call, you know, I'm struggling with something I don't know. They're the same thing in the sense of it's looking at it and I'm just so glad you went through that because there's been so many moments with us and we're still there with the, with the bootstrapping of a company where you forget like, man, like we're supposed to get knocked down. That's part of the game because in, in a really holistic sense, what value am I going to be able to provide if I'm not taking the shots? Like the shots are going to be the things that I learn from and I can adapt and I can push forward into this world and what I'm doing where the greatest enemy can be the distractions whether it is distraction by success in that immediate that ego boost that we talked about or your circumstances you should embrace your circumstances as to where you're at because i i can't i love this line the greater the setback the greater the comeback that's so powerful rudy you're freaking yeah. awesome man i i'm so stoked that i have you on here and i really appreciate you volunteering some time to come in with the audience let me throw another one at you if i can sure um what when you're so you've you you've done um, we talked about it in your introduction. Um, you've scaled work at multiple companies and work you've been around some of the coolest highest perform. I mean the mastermind that that, uh, that I was a part of that I joined when I was literally trying to figure out how to make rent in San Diego. And I had my buddy Joey telling me like, dude, you can do co- like you can really impact people with a client work. Client work. You just need to put in the reps. You need to get the work. You need to figure out how you're going to serve people. And that's how we got connected was in that group. And you've worked with some high level people on that capacity. And you've also, you have your own businesses that are doing high work. You've had huge losses, big bumps in the, in the gut when you were beyond the point of these challenges that were in your personal life and the, and the big challenges when you were, when you were younger. Sure. Today, how do you go through, let's talk to the entrepreneur, the person who's listening to this, who's found the successes and yeah, the 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 loss that they're maybe taking right now, or in the the season that they're in right now, isn't enjoyable. They're not going to lose their house, but it's still so omnipresent because it affects them, it affects their team, it affects the people they care about, it affects their profession. How do how do you work your way through those big losses that we all have to take? We have to learn from them. We have to go through them. Is there any any? Uh, it's kind of a similar question to what I asked, but how do you go about it from? You know, hey, I'm, I feel like I'm on the top of the mountain, and then all of a sudden I'm falling off, or I feel like I'm slipping. How do you sure. correct
1: that? Great question, man. You know, one of the things that I've learned over the last 20 something years of working with entrepreneurs, Aaron, is there are certain thresholds in business where you really find out why you're doing what you're doing. And I'll give you an example my business partner. Um, so I run an insurance marketing firm. My business partner, um, He's the number one income generator in the entire deal. Uh, there's multiple teams, multiple business guys uh, netting two million a year in personal income right now. So guys a beast. I'm having a lunch conversation with him. Uh, two major things that he shared with me. I'll share one of them with you here. But one of the things that he said is really you really find out, and this is so true because you know, we were just talking about uh some of my clients and stuff like that. And he just confirmed what I, what I was thinking. He said, yeah, man. He goes, usually when you hit a certain level of threshold of income, that's when you really find out why you're doing what you're doing. So for example, with, in my circles and in the people that I coach, it's usually right around $300,000, right? So a person makes $300,000, $325,000 in income, personal income, That's when you really understand why are they doing what they're doing? Because when when challenges come and push them, do they continue growing their business or do they recidivate? Do they plateau? A lot of them plateau because they're like, yeah, this is good. I'm comfortable. I'm paying my bills. My kids go to good school. I eat good food. I live in a good neighborhood. I can pay my bills. I got nice cars, right? versus a person who's a visionary somebody who's in this to maybe create lasting impact to create legacy to change the game to 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 be somebody that 50 years after they're gone somebody is putting up a statue or writing a book or telling their story that person pushes beyond all of that because it's not about the money and they realize that they realize that they're like i got the money so why am I still doing this? Then you got the. Then you got the people that tie that to a specific thing, which is, I've understand. I understand clearly that this path that I'm on, that this journey of entrepreneurship, is not really about just the money, and the money's great, you know, when you make it and you can provide that for your family. It's also not about the impact that I'm going to leave behind. It's about me becoming the next best version of me. And that's really what life is all about. It's about enhancing and optimizing who you can become. It's about understanding, like, you know, obviously we've spoken a little bit spiritually here. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a guy that believes in God. I believe in, in the creator. It's about for me getting to the end of the road, in my life, and God looking and saying, yeah, man, you accomplished everything that was designed for you to accomplish, versus him showing me a clip of this amazing life, of all this impact, of all these things, and he says to me, yeah, that's what your life could have been, right, and so so when you understand it, Aaron, when, when, you, when you believe things like that, when you have that type of philosophy, that personal mm. philosophy of, of personal achievement, right, which is what um, um, Napoleon Hill calls it, right? He calls it a philosophy of personal achievement. Mm. Philosophy of personal achievement is not just about the trophies, although if you do it right, you'll collect a ton. Yeah. You'll collect a ton on the way. It's also not about what you leave behind in the sense of impact, because if you do it right, you'll do that too. But it's about unlocking the best that is in you to unlock, to serve and to give to others and to experience yourself.
0: That's so good. Oh, Rudy freaking Ortiz. (laughs) You know, um, oh. There's so much that hits home with this because I think it's like, uh, um, mm, there's so much there. I want to, for, for someone here who's, uh, let's say they're listening to this podcast and they just heard you, you drop a revenue figure, an income figure that just seems in, in, unimaginable to them. Maybe they're entrepreneurial. Maybe they're like they they enjoy listening to some of the episodes we pump out and some of the some of the content, but they're not going to go start a business. They're not going to do a lot of those things. And maybe that income potential isn't there at least in the short term, right? What do you latch on to? Like what? Because what, what I think what you're getting at is that the income, the reality of what the three hundred thousand or that number really shows is that the, the money's just not. It can't be a driver, right? Like it, it literally is. It cannot be a driver and. Um, maybe I think about this with that, with that book, um, Outwitting the Devil from Napoleon Hill and going through some of the, some of the psychological fears that we, we fall back on and the imposter syndrome we have, um, getting over that hump and trying to figure out, you know, what are you destined to do here? What's your purpose here? And that's just such a, such a higher level conversation than X's and O's and dollars on a spreadsheet, because it's, it's, You can't really measure impact simply through the dollars you can in a lot of ways there's there's obviously huge huge um there's you know we 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 allocate resources in that capacity because of ideas and because of you know where where is it going to grow where's my capital going to grow whatever the case would be so it's certainly there it's energy in that sense Mm -hmm. if you're far off that income perspective though is that a is that really a bad thing? Because the focus should be on the internal race with yourself, building up a better relationship with with whatever it is the challenges that you have. I don't know if there's a question in there.
1: I, un- I think I understand what you're saying, or mm-hmm. at least the way that I'm that I'm picking it up on my end here. Aaron is okay. How do we measure this impact? Mm-hmm. How do we measure this growth? How do we measure, mm-hmm. you know, are we making progress? If money is not the measurement that we use because maybe I'm not an entrepreneur or what have you, right? Um, so that's what I'm picking up. Is that kind of what you're yeah. alluding to? Okay, yeah. perfect. Yeah. yeah, I mean, there has to be some level of tangible measurement. There has to be something that I can look at that shows progress, right? It can't be this, this you know, nubious thing that's just out there floating. There has to be something that I can look at. So impact is one, um, growth is another, revenue is another, if you're, if you're a, um, you know, an entrepreneur, uh, lifestyle could be another, you yeah. know, if your lifestyle improves and changes, all of those are at least four, there's probably others. Sure. Um, but every single one of them has to have some tangible thing that everybody can look at and say, yes, there's been growth The needle has been moved. Right. Right? So for example, with growth, um, let's say that your desire is to, um, to grow you know, as, a, as a leader. Okay, well then what are the tangible metrics that a leader can use to show that he's grown? So to me, the definition of leaders is influence, and that influence has to have some type of level of you know, change or impact in people's lives. So if I'm calling myself a leader, and I want to grow, then are the people that I'm leading, are they transforming? Are they growing? Are they making moves? Are they, you know, leveling up in whatever area that I am leading them in? If there is no tangible measurement there, then I will use the, uh, the phrase that John Maxwell says, if you are a leader, or if you call yourself a leader, and nobody is following, then you're just taking a walk, champ. Huh? right? So, and that's exactly what he's talking about is that there has to be some measurable thing, right? Mm -hmm. Um, That's the, you know, that's the thing that people have to look at. Now, here's the deal. Sometimes people look at measurements for the sake of stroking their ego. What do I mean by that? Uh Sometimes they come up with crazy little silly measurements that mean nothing but the only reason they use them is because they give themselves an out. They're like, see, I do have growth, see, I'm making impact, see, but it's only in their head. It's only in their world. Like if anybody outside of them looked at it, they'd say, yeah, that you're not growing. (laughs) You're not really doing anything there, but they do that so that they can remove the pain of responsibility of creating that. Mm. And So that's a deception right? That's an ego thing. That's that's part of the ego. That's the way that the ego will try to sh- show up and deceive yeah. us. So you got to be honest with yourself. You got to be willing to tell yourself the truth. Um, and this is an- This comes back to mentorship. You know, this is another another benefit of having the right coaches because the coach can look from, like you said, from the outside in, right? Because we can't see it. A lot of times we're blind when we're standing in it. They can look at it and say, no, Aaron, that's not a good measurement. And here's why. You should probably measure this. This will give you more accurate tracking and, and it'll give you better uh, optics for you to see that you are making a difference. Does that make sense?
0: It's good. It's so good.
1: Yeah. By the way, yeah. by the way, you know, you could from a business standpoint. know this is for more for the entrepreneurs you can certainly tie revenue to impact Mm -hmm. um you know for example if you're like you you're in a coaching business um the level of revenue in your business is going to be determined by the amount of people that you serve so if you serve more people you increase revenue right and if you don't serve more people you don't increase revenue. In my insurance business, I always tell my team, because I, you know, I develop agents, I tell them, if you're not helping a client, you're not going to make any money. We don't put the money before the client. The client, the money comes after you serve the client. So if you're telling me you're not making any money, what you're really saying is I'm not helping anybody. Mm. I haven't served anybody in the last month. I haven't gone out there and, and added value to somebody. Mm. So I can totally look at a business's impact by their level of revenue. If their revenue is not growing, neither is their impact.
0: Yeah, can we stick on that? You've seen, um, when I jumped into the, the mastermind, we were part of <clears throat> one thing that I think everybody recognizes is uh, um, the, the value of clarity, just knowing what you're doing. I think of it like Michael Jordan, like he doesn't think when he's taking a shot right? Like you got to get to that point in the work that you're doing and, and hone in on that. That being said, when you're building up anything new, whether it's a business, uh, uh, even a hobby, you know, trying to learn how to play golf or hockey or whatever the case would be. Right. Um, there's that level of resistance and inferiority and just overwhelm of information, uh, that paralyzes people. What do you see in Cause you've watched some, you've watched some people, I could name people, but just to leave names out of it, you've watched some people that, you know, I would assume, you know, over your time in that last mastermind, but also with everybody just over the, over the years where you, you, you've seen them at the very start of their journey and then them rapidly get to a place where, you know, 50, 60, a hundred thousand dollar months are coming out just months or even just short years after starting their journey. You've witnessed that. What are the traits? Of those people what are the things that they do what are the one or two or three things what do they do that the other people aren't doing great question such a good question
1: i'll give you a a few there's about three or four things that i've seen the very first thing is they take full responsibility right they take full responsibility they're not playing the victim they're not saying oh my business is not growing or my income is not growing because of you know, insert whatever average people insert there. And it's usually external. It's never them. It's always, you know, it's always their mom, their dad, their brother, their sister, the economy, the president, you know, what happened, right? Winners don't do that. Winners like, no, if this thing's ever going to be, it's up to me, I get it. And so I got to work on me. So they take responsibility. Number two, they immediately start working on themselves they start working on their habits, they start working on their mindsets because success is an inside job and they understand that. So they look at their life and they're like, okay, what is it that I'm not doing? And more importantly, what is it that I'm not believing? Right, what is it that I'm not believing because belief drives behavior. And so what is it that I'm not believing and that's why I'm not doing and they analyze that. Once they do that, they take responsibility for that. The third thing I would say is they take action at the speed of instruction. So their coaches tell them to make a play or do something. They they don't question it, they just get it done. They just get to work and they do it. Um, So they're coachable. Um, Now that, so uh, I forgot what book it was. Oh my gosh, I forgot the name of the book, but there's a book out there that talks about that speed is, speed is managed by trust. When it comes to relationships, when it comes to coaching, when it comes to teams, teams that trust each other, they can move quickly. They can, they can, they can, can, they're, they're agile, they're fluid because they don't have to deal with the issue of, man, is this the right thing to do? Is he telling me the right thing? Why is he telling me that? You know, is he trying to get over on me? Wherever wherever there's high trust, there's high speed. So if you want speed of, of growth, if you want speed of change, you have to figure out, you know, are there places in my life where I don't trust? Do I don't trust, am I not trusting my coach? Am I not trusting my process? Am I not trusting my business model? You know, where where is there a distrust, right? So, so one, they take responsibility two, they work on themselves, they work on their habits, their mindset, three, they take action at the speed of instruction, and four, they learn to focus, and when I talk about focus, you know, everybody's heard focus, right, everybody says, yeah, yeah, I know, I get focused, here's what focus is, focus is not just, you know, focus is not just me putting my undivided attention on this bottle, focus is me being able to push everything away that distracts me from focusing on the bottle. Does that make sense? That's good. Yeah, because everybody thinks it's, let me just lock my eyes on this one thing. Yeah, that's part of it. But the other thing is, let me push away the things. Let me create systems and processes that protect my ability to keep my eye on the bottle. Right. So that I'm not distracted.
0: It's like the phone thing. Right. Exactly. Oh, that's great. Um, you have been uh, you've been extremely generous with your time, Rudy. I want to make sure that we, we get a live call from mother coming into the recording here. That's right. <laughs> we get calls. Um,
1: <clears throat> call your mom, Aaron.
0: I got to call her back. Right. How, uh, Maybe we can end with this. We'll we'll kind of see where it goes. Rudy, thank you so much for coming on the show. This has been really good. And that was honestly that was one of the best takeaways. And I think it just so it starts with ownership. It starts with that. We've had so much shown this year where it's like in the last 12 really since COVID, where it's like, I was talking to my buddy about this yesterday. It's so crazy. Like the stimulus. Mm-hmm. Um, like like the government's literally just putting money in your bank account now. And I was like, I was like, this is getting. Uh, really bizarre. If, you're, if you just look at it from a 30,000 foot view, it's yeah. kind of crazy. What, what, what was everything going on there? That's a whole nother can of worms. Not going to get into that. My focus though is, um, is really on a, a theme of this. I think conversation has been about almost motivating yourself out of rock bottom and getting yourself into um, a performance mindset. One of the things that I struggle with is like there's those 20% of things that are like my jam it's my focus I oh, I eat it up I'm ready to go podcasting is like great example is podcasting but then the editing the copywriting the publishing all of that the promo oh boom, hate that stuff right that's just it's just not my natural it's not my natural strengths sure I'll find I'll go through seasons where I'm putting that stuff off. And that means the podcasts don't get up as soon as, as soon as or as often as I want them to in my business, I'll have some fulfillment things, some detail. I mean, it goes back to like, I've had a, you know, those assessments where they tell you about your personality. I have a high risk tolerance, like higher than like 90. I think they put it on bell curve, like higher than 97% of people. I can handle the risk and the challenges that are associated with that on the flip side. I cannot spell detail, right? Like I'm not the person you want. To, to, to pack your parachute or whatever the case is, right? Like that's for lack of a better term. That's my thing. That's where my struggles are. The biggest thing I found or the most important thing is actually taking time back to reflect and look at that. And you kind of touched on this a little bit a few minutes ago. And I, I wanna ask you this, like when I find that I'm lagging on a project or even if it's the things I don't enjoy to do, it's usually because of the lack of clarity as to how it builds into the, the long-term thing. How often do you take time to think about the season you're in, how to transition, how to maintain momentum as to where you're at, where you're going with certain things. How do you audit certain either relationships or environments or people or um, opportunities in front of you? Because I think that's another thing where as you go up the ladder and you know connect with more people and provide more value, Opportunities just flow your way, and you can't do everything. You got to remain focused on the things that are going to be well. It really just comes down to what's aligned with that greater, greater calling. How often do you reflect? How do you do it? Is it a quarterly process for you? Is it more of like a you know what? Whenever I feel like I need to do it, this is what I do. I'm curious. How do you reflect on the season you're in and how it relates to where you're going?
1: Good question. So the north star for me. Um, is a simple question, and it's usually not a quick answer. Um, you gotta, you gotta reflect on it. You gotta really look at it. But the question is, what do you want? All right? What is it that you want? Why do you want that? Is is the why? Is what you want and why you want it really aligned with who you're looking to be? So usually asking myself those questions is a great filter of opportunities, of where I'm standing on the road as far as a compass, right? Am I, am I on the right road or did I get off the road? Um, as far as the interval or the timing of doing that, Every Sunday, I take time to reflect and kind of prepare for the week, right? Um, Asking myself, you know, certain questions. Um, Where am I at? What could I, you know, what were the lessons for the week? What could I have done better? Um, If you were coaching yourself, what would you have told yourself? You know, so that's more of an alter ego type of effect, right? So... I've learned that some of the champs have alter egos, um, so I, I, I employ some of that. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, it just comes back to really getting to the core issue of what it is that you want, and if, if once you're clear on that, you'll be able to define the opportunities. Right? That's a great opportunity, but it's not really aligned to what I want. Just because it's a great opportunity doesn't mean it's your opportunity. Because okay? otherwise it's a distraction. And so um, again, yeah. Like for me, what do I want right now in the season I'm in? I want to be able to have autonomy of my time. I want to work when I want to work. Uh, there's a certain level of income that you know I want to make because that provides a certain lifestyle for me and my family so that the autonomy of time freedom and the level of income allows me to serve my family the way that I want to serve them and that also governs the opportunities that I filter in or not right so because you know like right now you know I've been I went I'm in a transition right because Um, I'm I'm moving into new things, man. Every day, like since Friday, two three people like just hitting me up with opportunity after opportunity after opportunity after opportunity, and I'm like, you know, I'm grateful and I appreciate it, but they're not. They don't align with the man who I want to be. Align with the impact and the um, the level of autonomy and freedom that I want to have so that I can serve my family and serve certain communities that I want to add value to. So while they might be very profitable and lucrative, there's a lot that I got to give up for that, right? There's a trade-off. So, so that's why I say, what is it that you want? Why do you want it? Right. And who do you have to be in order to to have that? Those three questions right there will help you kind of filter things in and out. Um, that is a that is a journey. Sometimes that that's an iterative process of asking yourself those questions. So be graceful with yourself. You know it's okay. You, you know you're not going to sit here one time and just get real quick answers to that. You're gonna have to you're gonna have to wrestle with yourself. You're gonna have to ask yourself certain questions. Got to be truthful with yourself. You might have to ask others outside of you to give you feedback of, hey man, how do you see me, right? What, what value do you see me adding to the world? What is your, if you, if, I, if, you were to, um, if you were to define me, if you were to give a definition of me, what would that definition be? Right? That's a great question to ask people in your life they're standing outside the frame and you learn a lot about yourself in there you know
0: and you see it from different perspectives right yeah
1: exactly a lot of times i've done that and i've gotten things that i never considered that i never even seen of myself yeah Right. Like good things, you know, sometimes not good things.
0: (laughs) Well, because it's kind of like when we talk just to go with the canvas example, when you're you you can't see the whole thing when you're in the frame. But also it's important to audit where somebody else is viewing the frame from because that's right. The the the
1: perspective.
0: and it could be good or bad, right? It could be, so like from a marketing standpoint, it's how do your how do your prospects, do they see the frame or are they seeing it at a really poor angle? Is that why you don't have the prospects that you have, right? Or on a personal relationship side, it's somebody who doesn't understand what you're doing or your aims, they're only seeing this one element of where you're headed. And it could be the same thing. I think, of it, I think of it, honestly, one of the biggest problems we have with personal development now is that there's just so much of it out there. It's so easy to just throw it out there. And that person who's giving you that stuff, it's not that it's wrong or incorrect or poor. It's that I think of it like uh, when, you re- when someone says, this is the best book I've read or whatever the case is personally I feel like usually that's somebody who doesn't read much and then they get into a book, <laughs> and, you know, it's a huge impact or it's the season that you're in that the book aligned with so well and it spoke to you where it you you saw it through you pulled yourself out of the frame and saw your whole image that's yeah. where the book spoke to you in such a degree where it's like it may not even be that great of a book yeah. and My personal example of this is like, I remember when we screwed up this house, like Rudy, we were supposed to paint the trim on this house and it was that we were training a new crew and I wasn't involved with it. It was my executive manager who was launching it with the the branch manager in the area. And the painters were just tear. I mean, everyone just did an awful job. We painted everything. We were supposed to only paint the trim. We painted everything. We got paint all over the place and it was fantastic. I was out there for painting this thing for three days over a holiday weekend because we are over budget. We needed, that was what we did. All right, let's do it. I'm going to cancel my plans of the weekend. Let's go paint this house or whatever it is. And I remember listening to Extreme Ownership from uh, from Jocko and it literally hit me like a ton of bricks that this was not my executive manager's fault. This was my fault because I was the leader of the team. I prepared, I oversaw the preparation. I oversaw the expectations. Whether or not I was involved in it, in the micro level, if I'm not responsible for it, it's actually scary because then I don't have any control over the situation. And it's like, you got to control the controllables. And I just remember like, I, but I preached for about a year. It's the best book ever. But if you try to read that book and you're not in the right season, it's not going to be a good book.
1: You know? Sure. Yeah. hundred percent. It'll be a book that'll Jack up your ego and you'd be like, who the heck is this mofo think he is? And, <laughs> you know, yeah, it'll, it'll hurt you. Um, not, you know, like you said something there that I thought was very wise is. Because it is we, you know, we see things right now in our lives. Everything, opportunities, information and everything. We see it from the lens of where we are currently at. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for some of us, you know, the, 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 the lens where we're at is somebody else's floor 10 years ago, man. Yeah. You know, like, like you know, some people are having, you know, and again, I use this crudely, you know, because it's just easy for people to understand, but some people have $5,000 problems. Well, some people have five million dollar problems. Yeah. Some people that have five thousand dollar problems. They're panicking. The guy with the fifth five million dollar problem, eh? I'll get to, I'll take care of that in the next five minutes here. You know what I mean? And so it's all about we we interpret we interpret the yeah. world we interpret what comes into our world based on our identity and where we're currently at. Um, this kind of goes back to what I was saying. This is why things don't happen to you, they happen for you. They happen for you to be able to elevate that identity, that that lens, that gratitude, that capacity to see things from a bigger perspective, right? If, if we're looking at a situation and we're on the ground, we can only see so much. Certain, yeah we can only see so much but if you go up on the hill and you look at that same situation you have a whole different perspective and you can see a lot farther mm. Mm. and so a lot of times the the things that come into our life are to help us get up on the mountain but we don't see it that way
0: rudy uh i don't even know how to put into words last hour or so that you've been with us really appreciate it appreciate you coming on here (laughs) hopefully we'll have a chance to have you back on as you're coming into a new season uh that you'll be able to come back and share some more uh like this this is a blessing to the audience and to me to have this conversation and obviously you know how much you 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 came into my life in a chance a season of i had to figure some things out and um we didn't work too much personally on that but we had a chance to connect it in person in october and um Man, appreciate you. Like crazy, Rudy. And hopefully we'll have a chance, like I said, to bring you back on for the audience because I know how much value this is going to drive for them.
1: Dude, it's been a pleasure. Uh, Always great to connect with you, man. Let me say this. I'm very proud of you. I'm proud of where you're at. I'm proud of what you guys are doing. Um, You know, stay focused, stay hungry, stay humble. Keep doing this, man, because you're serving the community. They need to, you know, these little things like this will help them get the right perspective and get the right juice so that they can move forward in their life. That's good. And I definitely want to come back.
0: Rudy, you're the best. Talk soon. Thanks so much. Pleasure, brother. Yo, yo, you made it to the end of the podcast. Congratulations. I really hope this was, um, I hope this was a fun one for you. We love uh, these interviews. So if this was something that was profound, it hit you hard. Share this with a friend. We don't monetize the podcast in any way, shape or form. This is Uh, strictly for personal development and growth. And frankly, it's a passion project of my own. So um, I really appreciate you all for not only taking the time to to listen, but uh, in helping build this show. Uh, If it impacted you, the best way that you can help us and you can expand the Get After message is to share this with someone who needs it, uh, to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Um, And to just, again, like share the word, like share this with your friends, share this with people who uh, could be impacted by this and special, special thanks to our guests today. And with all that being said, I really hope this episode and the daily ones as well are helping you get after it in your life, work,
1: business, whatever it is that you're rolling with. Let's roll. Let's get after it. Make it a great one. Talk soon.